0: Um, I would just want to thank you for the opportunity to speak. I know Rick is uh, having a, a good time uh, in discipleship this week, uh, this weekend. It ends this morning, so we're just praying for a breakthrough in men's lives. There's about 100 men gathered together uh, this weekend, and he sends his best regards. He'll be back Thursday evening, and we are excited about that, or I am at least, for sure. Um But before we begin, I would just like to pray, because uh, I can give you lots of words, but if they're not from the Lord, then it doesn't change anything. So I want to be used of Him, and hopefully there's something that I say that will resonate with your heart, because, you know, God has a way of doing that, doesn't He? So let's just pray. Father. We just thank you for the opportunity to stand here. I don't take it lightly, Lord, and I thank you for um, what you've done in in my life, in my family's lives, and the generations before me that have made it possible for me to be here, Lord, and to serve you and to love you with my whole heart. Lord, I just pray that um, you would hide me behind the cross so that only you are seen. And that these words that you have given me to speak, Lord, would touch someone's heart and that that would forever be changed because of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you in Jesus' name. So we began this year. Uh, some of you may know Rick is a part of Project 200. He's a pastor of that project, which is Discipleship. And they have a phone call every day at 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 in the evening, uh, central time. And that is for 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people pray, you know, I'll hear from heaven, heal their land. And so this began several years ago. And this uh, year, the project in January, took a look at James 4.14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn... I am. I like the amplified version, so that's what I'm using. It's a lot of words, but that's okay. And this is what it says in James 4.14. Yet you do not know the least thing about what may happen tomorrow. What is the nature of your life? You are really but a wisp of vapor, a puff of smoke, a mist, that is visible for a little while and then disappears into thin air. So the question for the project was, um, what, what do we do with our life in light of that? You know, if we're only here for a little bit and our life is just here and then today and gone tomorrow, what can we do uh, to impact the kingdom? You know, the kingdom of God is inside of us. We take the kingdom where we go. And so what are we going to do with that? And so that was a challenge to me, you know, considering You know, even if we lived 80 or 90 years, it's just a vapor. And what we do in that span matters. What do I want Jesus to do through me during that? And for that to be my focus of 2023. So I wanted to give you a little background into my life and kind of give you the story of how we came to Elgin. And I know some of you are, you know, some of the uh, details, but you might not be familiar with the whole story. So I wanted to share and I really felt prompted to share the whole story and um, in light of what our life is. um, I was saved when I was five in my grandfather's a church that my grandfather pastored for many years. Um, It's also the church we came from our sending church and we also uh, Rick and I both ministered in that church. He was in children's ministry for over 20 years uh, there. And so uh, I was saved. I didn't know him then uh, when I was five. He wasn't there yet, but I was saved at five. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues when I was eight. Um, If any of you are familiar with Perry Stone, he came to our church, and um, we had a great move of the Lord there. And all through my life, I was able to hear the voice of the Lord and um, just listen to him, and uh, he would speak to me. (laughs) and uh, not necessarily an audible voice, but just in the confirmation of the heart, and that didn't mean that I always did what he said. (laughs) I would like to say that it was. In fact, being saved at five, you think um, that's too young. No, I think that our children can uh, be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and work for the Lord where they are and be a light. Um, So most of my sinning was done after I was saved, (laughs) <laughs> and thank God we have an advocate with the Father who is uh, able to forgive us and and cleanse us, and I'm thankful for that. Um, when I was 15, the Lord gave me Jeremiah 1, and if you're familiar with that, uh, it's where God called Jeremiah to speak to the nations. Um, and I didn't know what that meant necessarily. I thought it was maybe more for I was in a youth group. You know, we were going on different mission trips, but um, I can see from then how that that has become more true uh, the longer I live my life and the different missions, outreaches that we've done. Um, And so uh, I cling to that because he tells Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. I think sometimes we are afraid to share what people, what God has done in our lives because we're afraid of what people think and we see their faces and we're afraid. But he says, don't be afraid. I'll give you the words. I'll tell you what to say and you just be obedient. And so I want to talk about following the Lord, you know, it requires obedience because we can believe in the Lord, but following him is a whole different ballgame. So uh, during that time, when I was 15 also, that is the year that we moved to Elgin. And so I didn't understand, we, we moved to Inverness first, but I didn't understand then the fulfillment of what Jeremiah 1 meant in my life but look look where we are now. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to go back. Several years before that, my father was at a missions conference, and if you know my dad, um, which I don't know that any of you do, but I hope that you will get to know him through us and through video, and I'm hoping they'll come over, but he is... um, a man who loves the Lord and has taught us much and very wise, and he, but missions has always been his heart. Um, his dad was the same. I could, my grandfather would open up his wallet and give the last of what was in it to whatever missionary or speaker was there. You know, so missions has been strong in our family. And my dad was at a missions conference and he was in the altar and uh, just praying, saying, "Here I am, Lord. What whatever you want." Um, And he said it was a vision that came to him. He said he'd never had one like that, um, where it was like a screen that came down in front of him, and on the screen, he saw the country of Scotland, and the outside of it was burning with fire, and it was burning towards the inside, and there were four men in that vision praying. There were either four or seven, uh, I need to clarify, but uh, four men, I believe, praying, are on their faces um, in that outline of Scotland. And my dad just asked the Lord, you know, what are they praying for? And uh, the Lord told him they are praying for revival for their country. And so my dad was like, okay, and then that was it. So he went home, he bought a map of Scotland, he put it over his desk, and he began to pray for Scotland. And I'm going to pray in agreement with these men for revival for their country. Um. In that, one of the I did, one of the men looked at him in, in that vision, but he didn't recognize the man, and that's when he asked the Lord what they were praying for. But uh, So he goes on. He's praying for Scotland. It's several months and maybe even years later, and the Church of God Evangel, which is a monthly publication that the Church of God puts out in America, came across his desk, and he opens it up, and there was the overseer of Scotland in a featured article. And he looks at him and the Lord says, that is the man that you saw praying in your vision. And the man was Paul McLaughlin Sr. And so my dad phones him up and tells him what happened. And uh, Paul says, oh, you've got to come brother, you've got to come. (laughs) And so my dad and mom makes this trip. Of course, he's pastoring a local church at the time. And um, so they go and my dad had three requests of the Lord. If, if God was leading him to take his family, I have three younger sisters. Uh, I was 15 at the time, so I had a 13-year-old sister and then a two- and three-year-old sister that are adopted. And um, he said, Lord, I have three requests that when we get there, that the people would feel at home with us, that we would feel at home with them and that one person would be saved because uh, he was going to be preaching in some of the churches here. So they come to the airport. Paul and Sheila pick them up. Immediately, they feel at home, family, you know. I don't know if any of you knew them, but they were, they were great a great couple. And um, made my parents feel right at home. Um, and so immediately, the first two requests of the Lord were answered. So he, he preached that week, and uh, the last service was in Fort William. And he preached the service, and it was done, and nobody had gotten saved in any of the services. And so he was like, okay, Lord, thank you. This was great. It's great to meet more of our family here in Scotland, but, you know, these are what I've asked you for. Uh, so they went to do teas and coffees, and the pastor came up to him, and he said, Brother Jim, did you see that guy at the back of the church? And my dad was like, yes. He said, he just gave his heart to Jesus. <laughs> so my dad's like, okay, here we are, three uh, three out of three. So uh, that began the journey to come. And uh, we went through world missions. We had to raise quite a bit of money. So it took over a year to go to different churches and share the vision and what God was doing. And... Uh, my dad, you know, questioned how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to take my family and transplant them halfway across the world? You know, it takes a lot of money um, because, you know, he couldn't work here in the country. Everything had to be raised. And so uh, he was walking one day and he looked down and it was in the middle of nowhere and there was a $20 bill. And he went to pick it up. And as soon as he did, the Lord said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. And, and he did, and he still does. And he does for you as well. And so um, this testimony is a story of God's faithfulness, not just for my family, but the testimony of Jesus is for all of us. And so um, I just want you to as we follow the Lord, that he will supply all our needs. He will help us to say the right things. He'll shut our mouth when we need it to be shut. And he's done that probably more to me than actually telling me what to say. It's more like, oh, don't say that. (laughs) But anyway, uh, so we go, we come to Inverness because the goal was to be in Inverness for a little while to assimilate the culture, to learn about the people, and then to pray where God was leading to plant the church. And so um, we did that, and within a few months, uh, it was decided that Elgin was the place. And so my dad found a a house to rent. It was the last one on the right uh, on West Road as you're heading toward Inverness. And it was lovely, a detached house, and there was room for all of us. And so um, we came to Elgin. And uh, the first week we were there, there was a knock at the door. And my dad opens the door, and there's a man standing there. He's a British Rail- Railway chaplain. And he said, My name is Willie Nelson, and I've been praying. We've been praying for revival. And I've heard that you've come here to start a church. And my dad's like, yes. He said, well, I already have. We've already been meeting. There's several of us already meeting. Uh, I think your mother-in-law was one of those. Um, We've already been praying. We've been praying for a pastor, and here you are. And we already have a hall rented. And so that next Sunday, within a week, the church, this church was started. And so I just want to show you uh, one reason I want to share this testimony was so that you can see God's faithfulness to you you know, and what he's done and how he's opened the doors and um, uh, what it means when one person says, yes, I will follow the Lord no matter what the cost. My parents were followers of Jesus. They taught us to be followers of Jesus. And so uh, that brings us to my story. In January of 2021, uh, so Dalton, where we came from in Georgia, that's where my grandparents' church was. We, who, He's pastored there, and we work there, and my family is there. My grandmother's still alive, and I have aunts and uncles and cousins, and they all go to that church. And it's, uh, We love each other, um, and we do a lot of things together, and so we're very involved there. But in 2021, in January, we were asked to um, go and be a part of a staff in Alabama, lower Alabama. And it was some friends of ours, and uh, we had always had a desire to work with them. Uh, they were senior pastors, and uh, so we prayed about it. It was a difficult decision, honestly. Um, we sold our house, which was a lovely house. You can ask the girls. <laughs> they loved that house. Um, raised our kids, uh, part of our kids there, and, but felt like God was leading us. And um, I mean, it was clear, and we said yes. So we had no house. We took the girls. I waited until school was finished, and Rick went on ahead of us. And so in May we moved the girls and I uh, joined Rick in Alabama to be there. And that we thought that was it. That's where we're going to be. The Lord has led us. This is our, you know, time of ministry. Minister with our um, friends. We have the same vision. We're going to win the county for Jesus. You know, that's it. We'll be here as long as until Jesus comes. And within six months, the pastor had resigned. Um, There were some things that had gone on and we weren't aware of. And uh, so we were the newbies and hired by him and felt like we couldn't stay. So uh, we knew the Lord took us there. And now we were leaving within six months. But this time we were going back without a house without really a down payment, because we had bought a car, did some things, had a wedding, and we were like, what What in the world? (laughs) Lord, we said yes to you, and here we're coming back, and we have nothing, and um, my grandmother so graciously opened her house, and we went, and we moved in with her, and the purpose, you know, until we could buy a house, and um, just not understanding why God would take us there, and then, Bring us back with less than what we had. That's so we thought. Um, I don't know what it was like here, but at the end of 2021 and 2022, jobs were easy to find in the in the states. In fact, they couldn't they can't find enough workers. There's hiring signs everywhere. Um, I'm a, like an office administrator, so I was putting out my resume to these places to do that kind of work. Um, when we, when we came back to Dalton, I think I put in 75 resumes, um, which is a lot, yeah, and there were several that I wanted to do, I applied to Samaritan's Purse, I'm like, yes, I'll go and help and use my gifts for that, and come back, short-term missions, you know, went through several interviews, I'm like, yes, this is what the Lord has for me, and even on their website, it said, like, accepted, we're going to go through the process, and I get an email and says, we're sorry, um, you're not picked and I was like what do you mean <laughs> I'm willing to go what are you talking about I have this you know my giftings I can use this administration giftings to help you and they said no and I uh, there's another organization that's really uh, they called Camp Wim Shape I don't know if you're familiar with Chick-fil-a it's big in the states And they have, um, they help with marriages and foster kids. And I put my resume in there and went through several interviews. And I'm like, yes, this is it. You know, ministry, I get to be a part and I can use my giftings to help. And after the second interview, they were like, "Mm, nope. And so I didn't understand (laughs) what was going on. You know, the Lord brought us back. I can't get a job. Uh, Thankfully, Rick did have Project 200. uh, So he was working full time, but I couldn't find one. And I needed one because we were going to buy a house and we were going to live there and be with my family forever. And so in October of that year, I thought of Men and Women of Action. I love Men and Women of Action. I don't know if you're familiar. They come and they do missions trips and they build, help build churches and orphanages. And it's contractors that give of their time for churches that don't have the money necessarily to do updates. In fact, they're coming, coming to Inverness to help with Inverness Church in a couple of weeks if anyone wants to join and help. And I'm like, I love that mission. You know, I don't just want to do a job. I want to be passionate about what I do. And so we sent my resume to the director there. And Phil was like, oh, no, we don't have anything right now. And uh, I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't know what to do. And so we just waited, and uh, it just seemed like a hard time. And it was hard because we had left the church, and so we weren't really involved, but we were going, and it was like in this state of limbo, and it's like, Lord, what are you doing? We said yes, and this doesn't look good to us. (laughs) And so... um, That was in October and in the end of April, so that many months. I was still looking for a job, couldn't find anything, and the director of Men and Women of Action called Rick and said, hey, I have a part-time as a financial administrator. Would Jennifer be interested? And I'm like, yes, okay, part-time. We're getting there. So I would drive two days a week to Cleveland, Tennessee, um, where the headquarters of the Church of God is, and um, worked as a financial administrator for them, and that was in May. And Phil was like, you know, the General Assembly's coming up at the end of July. And we always go and we do a booth there, the General Assembly. And I need you to go if you will go. And I'm like, absolutely. I love the General Assembly. Um, And it was in San Antonio, which is an awesome city and has great tacos. And so um, I was in. And they asked if Rick would be willing to go, too. And I'm like, yes, both of us, yeah. And so... We went, and we were there, so the General Assembly starts on Monday, we were there on Saturday setting up the booth. My sister and brother-in-law were there, my sister and brother-in-law pastor a church in West Virginia, so they were there as pastors for the General Assembly, and we were walking down the Riverwalk to go get a taco. And this couple passes by us, and normally, now I'm not one to just reach out and just you know talk to strangers or whatever but I recognized him and I normally I would have just walked on because we were going for a taco and it was like the Lord turned me around I went Derek Grant (laughs) and it was Derek and Gabby their first time ever to be in the United States and they were there for the General Assembly And we had known Derek from Inverness because my dad brought the MIP program over and was helping train pastors and leaders, and Derek was one. And so he turns around, and of course, it's a great reunion. You know, my sister's there, so she remembers him. We talk. I meet Gabby. I've never met her, and it was lovely. And so that was it. We would go on to get a taco, but it was like, you know, sometime this week, let's get together. We'll catch up, and we'll eat lunch, and eat another taco, and I'm like, yes, tacos, and so um, we did, and we go, my sister comes with us, and Rick and I, and we go with Gabby and Derek, and he's, we ask about everyone, you know, we have great friends here that we've stayed somewhat connected to, but still asking about others, and he's like, do you know Elgin Church is looking for a pastor? And I'm like, no, <laughs> No, I didn't know that. And he's like, Gabby's like, you should come. You need to come to Scotland. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Mm, Yeah, sure. (laughs) And (laughs) they don't do talk. (laughs) That's right. Um, And, you know, we're just like, oh, yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? And uh, we go through the week, and we meet again. And we have a lot of questions and a lot of things that would have probably been no answers. You know, there were several things as far as the Church of God that needed to be in order. And Derek was like, it's not a problem. We'll take care of it. I'm like, I don't want to raise money like my dad raised money. <laughs> that was hard. It was hard on us as kids. It's, it was long. It was a long process. I don't want to do that. He's like, oh, you don't have to do that. I'll appoint, you know, I'll appoint you if the church agrees. It'll be like an appointment. And, you know, there's there's a, a somewhat of a salary there that can help. And um, you won't necessarily have to raise that much money. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and so everything that we brought, there was an answer that was like, it's not a problem. And we were like, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? And so, uh, first of all, Rick's mentioned it, made mention, he doesn't like cold places. And it was almost like, you know, I'm in the south and I'm going to stay here because it's, you know, 80 and 90 degrees in the summer and it's awesome. Um, But he was like, I think we're supposed to walk through these doors. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding? Because I'm like, yes, let's go. So we start praying about it. And it was just an enormous peace over our lives. And every door that opened and everything that we walked through and every yes that happened um, was just another confirmation of what we already knew in our heart. Uh, we went to our sending church, which was Dalton, and we had. he talked to the pastor. He's like, look, I know we've been back. We haven't been real involved. We've actually been giving our tithes to this um, other church. And, and the pastor was like, Rick, you are our son <laughs> in the faith. And... Uh, This is your church, and you've poured it into us, and we are going to pour into you. Yes, we'll be your sending church. And they, along with my sister's church, raised every bit of money that we needed for our visas, because that was quite a bit, to move our stuff over, to get the tickets to fly over here. It was like every yes happened, and then it was the next step, and then it happened, and then the next step. And so saying yes and following Jesus sometimes is just a step and he opens the door for the next step, and the next yes, and the next yes. And so here we are. <laughs> here we are from the end of July until till December. The money was raised. The visas were taken care of. We didn't have a house to sell. The Lord had already taken care of that. We moved to Alabama. You know, we didn't have um, a whole lot of things to get rid of. We, we paid off our debts to come here which was another request in my heart. Um, Another request that there would be 100% vote (laughs) because, uh, you know, that could be difficult if there was one or two that didn't want us and um, you voted 100%. So every request of my heart, another request is that I get to see my son who's in the Air Force because he was away in South Korea. And it just so happened that right before we moved, he got to come home for three weeks before he went to Hawaii. And so every request was answered. And we knew, um, we knew already because of the peace that God had given us, but we knew because he confirmed it over and over and over and over. He's so good. And so I just want to encourage you in 2023, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does that mean? You know, I'm doing this uh, women's Bible study, and most of this I got from that study because it hit me so hard, you know, um, talking about what it meant to follow a rabbi. If we t- if we go back and look at the Jewish culture and how they train their children at age 5 they learn the Torah which is the first five books of the Old Testament. I don't know about you but my 5-year-old we had trouble just like getting dressed and getting our shoes on and you know you know but they're they're intent about teaching the word of God to their children. And at 5 they learn the Torah and at 10 you learn the Mishnah which included the oral traditions of of the Jewish faith by 12 and 13 you see study and you went to apprentice with your father and whatever he did and um, however if you showed an aptitude for the scriptures and the rabbinical law you would continue on a track of study and at 15 you would learn the Talmud and by the time you were 30 you were a rabbi I say 30 because it's interesting to me when Jesus began his ministry. Always growing up, I'm like, we don't know what happened to him between 12 and 30. Well, yes, we did. He was training to become a master of the scriptures, and that's what he was. A rabbi is a master of the scriptures. Um, Only one in a thousand students were invited to take the track of a rabbi, and so we look at Jesus' life. Um, when a student reached the age of 30, they were known as a master of the scriptures. In Jewish culture, then, it was common for the student to choose the rabbi and the rabbi to be, like, indifferent about his students. So that was how it worked. You went and you searched and you found a rabbi that you believed in, they teaching, and you chose them. But that's not how Jesus did it. It wasn't the lesser looking for the greater the greater looking for the lesser that's why we see how uh it was I always think how did they just leave everything and go follow Jesus they just dropped their nets and went because it was such an honor for a rabbi to choose you that they knew their lives were going to be different when you uh in Jewish tradition in the culture when you went to be under a rabbi You wanted to be just like him. So you ate what he ate. You said what he said. You acted like he acted. You began to think like he thought so that you were the exact representation of the rabbi. I think that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, You wanted to follow. It said you want to follow so closely to the rabbi, to your rabbi, that the dust of his sandals gets all over you. Hmm. That's what I want. I want his dust to get all over me so that when people look at me, I sound like him, I look like him, his fragrance is all over me. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Because there's a difference between believing in him and following him. Jesus was a master of the scriptures, and he sought out his students, and he chose them individually. You know, that was (laughs) countercultural, but he did. And it was that group of men that said, turn the world upside down. And we're sitting here today because they said yes and followed Jesus. You know, James and John, he says, follow me. And they drop it, drop their nets and follow him. Peter and Andrew, Matthew walks away from (laughs) from what he's doing. You know, pretty wealthy job, but he walks away to follow Jesus. They didn't know exactly what it meant to follow him, but they would. They would participate in his ministry, they would participate in his suffering, and they would participate even in death. They followed Jesus. So, what does that mean for you and me? Jesus is still calling us, the greater is still looking for the lesser. For students and people who are willing just to say yes to the next step, whatever that means. And sometimes we may not know, and sometimes it may look confusing, and sometimes it means selling your house and looking back and saying, what have you done, Lord? This has to be a mistake. But then understanding that he has bigger plans. I want to go back to the verse in James where it says, Our life is but a vapor. A puff of smoke is here and gone. And I pose the question to you as a challenge, what do you want your life to be? For me, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to look like him and sound like him. Do I? There are times you can ask my girls that they would say, "Uh, no. (laughs) She doesn't look and sound like Jesus sometimes, but um, I'm thankful for his forgiveness. For the Holy Spirit that helps me in my weakness that helps me to follow him no matter what. There are three things that I want us to take away from today. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And the first one is following Jesus means laying down yourself. I want to look at Matthew 16, 24, and I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified. I think Chema may have a different version, maybe newly. Oh, you found it? Awesome. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself. And I love how the Amplified says that, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own interests. Forget himself and his own That's hard. <laughs> Take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me. Believing in me conforming to my example in living and if need be suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. We see that example even in our world today. There are people dying today as followers of Jesus because they've said yes and it's cost them their life. And we sit pretty comfortably, honestly. I know in America we do. We sit pretty comfortably and say, yes, I follow Jesus, but we don't have to give up very much. But Jesus is calling us, even in the little things, to lay down ourselves. Sometimes that might mean giving up our right to be right. I know as a wife, sometimes that's hard <laughs> because I'm right a lot. No, <laughs> we won't tell Rick. He's not here. It's, it's regret- <laughs> And he'd say amen. <laughs> but I have to give up my right to be right. The second thing following Jesus means a life of obedience. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. So I think we should start working on loving him because if we love him, we're going to obey him. You know, I love my husband. And there are things that I may do that he doesn't like. So because I love him, I won't do them. And I think that's what Jesus is asking of us. If we really love him, we're going to obey him. We want to do what he commands. 1 John 5.3 says, For the true love of God is this, that we habitually keep his commands and remain focused on his precepts. And his commandments and his precepts are not difficult to obey. Uh, I wanted to bring this one up. They're not burdensome or grievous. Because sometimes I've heard people say, oh, when you become a Christian, you give up all the fun stuff. <laughs> but that's not true. The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, peace. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That's a lot more than what the world can give. Peace. Yeah. His burden, his precepts are not difficult to obey. And the last thing, following Jesus means loving others. Matthew or 37 through 40 says, And Jesus replied to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, your intellect. This is the first, the greatest, most important first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. That is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. The whole law, the writings of the prophets, depend on these two commandments. If we loved others as we loved ourselves, we pretty much take care of ourselves, don't we? (laughs) In the end, we, we take care of ourselves. We feed ourselves when we're hungry. We take care of us. But the Lord is saying, love others as much as you do yourself. Take care of them. This is the greatest commandment, to love me and to love others. And John 13, 34, 35 says, I'm giving you a new command that you love one another, as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are mine, if you have love and unselfish concern for others. So I challenge us today, what does it mean to follow him? You know, I, I want to thank John since Thursday night that I've been waking up every night. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. And the one thing I knew that I was supposed to do today was share my testimony to challenge you about following Jesus and to give an altar call. I'm like, "Chiba, do we do altar calls? <laughs> He's, okay. He said yes. So I knew the Lord wanted me to. I'm just going to obey him. And if I'm the only one standing up here, so be it. But I'm going to be the first. I just want to challenge us. What does it mean to follow him in 2023? (laughs) That may mean doing some things different. (laughs) Maybe not. For some of us. But to me, it means being a person of integrity in everything in the small things and the large things. Obeying him and loving others when sometimes people just aren't easy to love. Maybe God's put someone on your heart that you need to reach out to and love and it's a hard task. What does it mean to follow him? He's so good to us. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And if you never ask Jesus into your heart, that's the first thing you should do, to follow him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And I claim that for our households today, Lord. So this altar call is twofold. First, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart and you would like to, We want you to. We're here to celebrate you. It says all of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance. And we should do the same. And the second one is this. To commit our 2023 to following Jesus no matter the cost. And if you are willing to do that, I'm going to ask you to come up here with me. And I'm going to be the first to say, Lord, no matter the cost, I will follow you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that sometimes it just takes the next step, whether it's coming up here, (laughs) whether the next step is baking a cake for our neighbor. Father, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and let us know what the next step is and give us the courage and the strength to take it (laughs) because the kingdom of God is in us and this world needs to see the kingdom your kingdom come your will be done Father I thank you for my brothers and sisters Lord I pray that you would just strengthen them in their inner man that they would have ears to hear and eyes to see the things that you have for them Father, you have placed them exactly where they are to reach someone that needs to know you. (laughs) Give us boldness, Father. Let us be like Daniel, like the three Hebrew children that didn't defy the king's order and said, we will still not bow to you. We serve the king of kings and lord of lords. Or like Daniel who said, I'm still going to (laughs) pray. You said I can't, but I can and I will. And how God protected. Sometimes it may mean we have to walk through hard things. Sometimes it may mean that we look back and don't understand what in the world, why did we do that? But yet in your divine plan, you know every step. And sometimes we have to go one place to get to the other. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here and I thank you for them. Lord, I thank you for this family, and that's what they feel to me. Family, this is my family, and Lord, I pray for them, that you would strengthen them and help them and give them the words to say, that you would speak to them in those quiet times, Lord, and help there to always be a yes in our mouth, no matter the cost, even if it costs us our life. We thank you in the name and through the blood of Jesus. Amen.